Welcome to Clarity to Launch, the podcast. I'm your host, Natanya Bravo, founder of the Bravo Life, business and mindset coach, and a woman on a mission to help you acknowledge that internal whisper and gain the clarity you need to launch a life you truly love. Years ago, I followed my own whisper and took a leap of faith, leaving behind a six-figure salary and everything I knew to fulfill a one-day dream of moving to Paris. That one tough decision led me to creating a seven-figure business, marrying the love of my life, and helping thousands of women use their passions to uncover their purpose and create the income and impact they were born to. It all boiled down to one decision. Was I going to keep telling myself one day or make today day one? Now it's your turn to decide. Clarity to Launch is here to give you the tools you need to guide you along the way. All you have to do is decide. So are you ready? It's time to launch the life you were born to live. Today, I am joined by Angel Aviles. Angel boldly decided to pursue her dream of becoming an actress and originally from the Bronx, moved from New York City to Hollywood, where she landed roles on projects with directors like Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, and many others. Following a successful acting career, Angel became an entrepreneur, and today she's a transformational life coach, a best-selling author, and a motivational speaker. And I am so excited to have you on, Angel. We were just chatting before I hit record, and we have a lot of similarities just in our energy. So excited to share you with the Clarity Launch community and learn more about your story. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Natanya. I'm really, really excited to be here as well. Yeah. So I'm going to dive right in because, you know, you were an actress doing all these things. And I know we were just chatting and you've been coaching for over 10 years now. So how did that transition happen? We were also just talking about the similarities of, I think we all start as our first client. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, what that transition was like for you and how you ended up to what you're doing today. Well, it is very similar to your story, like this uh, just um, desire to excel, 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 and to, to try, try to um, reach all these goals. Um, I Like you said, I, I grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in New York City. I actually came from a very creative family, a very artistic and academic family, um, but we were poor. And I didn't know we were poor because I had this amazing creative mom, but we definitely were poor and um, ultimately went to performing arts, really had this dynamic and strange, wonderful life because I was given, I was afforded the luxury of indulging in the arts. And of course, I didn't realize that privilege until I got older, right? Um, And, you know, I wasn't really... I I didn't grow up with this idea that I couldn't do something until I had this incident with my dad. And that drove me to be extremely determined. He was like, keep dreaming. And I was like, what? Okay, I will. And from that, just this incredible fuel to succeed to when I was a dance major in high school to do the most, to go to Alvin Ailey, to dance on different stages, to get scholarships, to go everywhere, all over the world, to be a part of a dance collective, to choreograph. And then when I moved into acting, it was like, okay, I want to do stage. And then I want to do TV and I want to do commercials and I want to go in. I want to be a star of at least one movie. And, you know, at the time and still now, you know, being a Latina as a member of a very underrepresented, and that's a horrible term, but it's true, 
um, non-represented community, um, especially in the film industry. That was kind of like an out there bull, but I was able to make a living in the 90s and uh, got married, had kids, decided that I wanted to leave acting and pursue something that was more stable, right? Now that you have a baby, you understand that babies change a lot oh, yeah. in us. Um, and so I was really now focused on stability, on family life, on what I thought family life should look like. And I pursued that in the same way with vigor, went back to school, became a multimedia producer, got a job in corporate, was working for the marketing department, ran, 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 had a marriage, had the kids, had the house, had the car, had the dogs, had a lot, had a, had a lot. And I, and, and I was cute too, cause you know, I was still young and, and I was in LA and the competition to appear a certain way was very real. Um, and then in 2008, in addition to the economy just crashing, what began to happen to me was I was having an internal crash and I began to sink into this horrible, debilitating anxiety and panic attacks. Mm. Part of that was fueled by my mom's death. Part of it was fueled by, yes, the economy and the way the world was, but part of it was fueled by my inability to maintain this life that I had created for myself. And I had what was then might, what might then have been considered a nervous breakdown right? Which now sounds so archaic, but now we call it burnout, right? right? Yeah. Where it just, I literally would spend hours in my closet crying. I was a hot mess, missed important events. I couldn't show up. And I just determined that that was not okay with me. And that if it was a biological problem, I was going to figure out what that was and I was going to get help. If it was a psychological problem, I was going to figure out what that was and I was going to get help. If it was a spiritual problem, I was going to figure it out. And so I began to obsessively go after my own mental, physical, and spiritual wellness. And then I did something kind of different, especially for my culture, is, is that I just started sharing about it. I just started openly talking about it and um, more and more people started asking me about it and my career as a coach organically developed out of that. Yeah. I'm curious when you said you were started sharing about it, were you sharing like with family, with friends, like where were you sharing? So it's so interesting because I don't know if this has been your experience, but I, I do know that in, in my experience and especially running my group, my group coaching it's harder to share in the environment that you know than to yeah. share with strangers. Oh, 100%. Right? So most of the people that were asking me and observing this about me were complete strangers. A lot of them were fans of the film that I had been in, which okay. um, I had been in several films, but there's one in particular. It's called Mi Vida Loca, and it's a 1990s. It's a cult classic. And my character in, in particular is a, sort of an iconic character. Her name is Sad Girl, and she was this gang 
girl. Um, and the irony was that her, her, her nickname was sad girl. Mm. And I became that, I became that, that character whose life had just been drained from her. And I, and I allowed it. Mm-hmm. But the strangers were just definitely more interested. And I just think, honestly, less intimidated. Because I think sometimes when you're in a personal situation, your own wreckage or your own, the flawlessness of your life becomes a reflection on them somehow. And so did you consciously decide, I want to coach people? Or did that just, people started asking you to talk and want help? Uh, people just started asking me. I I don't think I was prepared. As a matter of fact, <laughs> my first clients um, who I I was hired for hired me as a coach, but I was media coaching at the time. I worked in multimedia. I worked in marketing, so I was doing a lot of um, video, a lot of SEO, a lot mm-hmm. of m- a much more technical work creative work but also technical at the time and so I was doing a lot more of that and this couple approached me and like at the second on the the second session the guy was like uh so when do we get to the positive kinds of stuff all the mindset stuff and I was (laughs) like what 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 are you talking about (laughs) He was like, yeah, no, I know. I understand that we're, we're doing this about business, but I, I definitely wanted more concrete mindset shift things. Interesting. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let me go home and like totally rework what I had mapped out for this couple. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being incredible, like incredible results and incredible experience. I know that, you know, you're a coach. So when you see the shift in people's lives, it's, mm-hmm. it's like being in a zone. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so with your clients now, when you talk about transformational coaching or comp, like what kind of support do you provide and what does that look like? What are people typically coming to you for? What's your zone of genius now that you've been doing this for so long? Well, as I mentioned in our pre-conversation in the last, initially um, at the beginning, when I was first coaching 11 years ago, it was much more generalized life coaching, especially because of my, my experience with anxiety. And so I was, I was much more focused on uh, actual exercises. So my entire practice was based on a lot of activities. Mm. And now my coaching in the last couple of years, I would say in the last three years is much more geared and much more specific and focused on confidence coaching. As I mentioned, a lot of my clients now are, you know, executives, or they're working in corporate positions, or they're working in high-level positions, and still lack the confidence that they need to to grab the bag to yeah. get the recognition, and um, that's painful. Not only as a as a woman, not only as a person who recognizes that everyone deserves to shine. Period. 
but as a member of my community, that is, first of all, the most underpaid um, community. I'm just devastated by that. And I really wanted to make a difference in that particular area. And not just because it has to do with finances, but because it has to do with power and it has to do with just living in that zone, being recognized, being able to to celebrate yourself. Mm -hmm. What would you, because we have a lot of like current and aspiring entrepreneurs that listen to this or people that want to shift careers or do something more purposeful. And like you said, one of the things I find very often is oftentimes people are overqualified for the thing that they're worried about trying to do. They actually have more qualifications than the next person. So, you know, we hear a lot about confidence and affirm yourself. Like what would you, what are some tips that people can take away of how do we connect to confidence? What even is confidence and how can we realistically in a tangibly tangible way, start to tap into our own confidence when we're having those moments of doubt or fear? I'm really glad that you asked that question because I have an entire framework on this. There are so many components to the reasons that we are, we have this in common, this idea that we are not enough, Mm -hmm. right? And so the elimination of the not enoughness, and it comes in so many compartments, so many forms, and it's subtle. One of the the keywords, the buzzwords out there right now is microaggressions, right? Mm -hmm. There are so many microaggressions that keep us from really stepping into our own greatness. For me, where it all starts is you can't really attack the outside. I mean, you can, right? You can always be a part of the fight. You can always be a part of the change. But being a part of the change is most effective when you do have the confidence to do it. Right. And starting, so starting from the inside, practically, I say one of the first steps that helped me on this road was a sense of forgiveness and starting with myself and working my way out. And I always talk about this forgiveness letter that I wrote and I wrote it to my ex-husband. And when I, I wrote it and I cried and it was so emotional. And when I reread it, I realized that I wrote it to myself. Yeah. And so in that release, in that ability to forgive myself and that process that happens over and over that you're going to be forgiving yourself over and over and over until it becomes so natural that you know that no matter what you do, you're always going to forgive yourself. You're always going to choose you. You're always going to love you. Yeah. And so you begin to create that safe space for yourself, but it's got to start there. Mm-hmm. It's got to start with, I forgive all the previous versions of myself, all those previous versions of myself that I judge so harshly. And yet, like that version of me was my sugar mama. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, boo, for working so hard for this version of me. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying this life because of those choices. And do you think that's something that we constantly do throughout life? Like, is that a practice that you are still doing in your own life and and business? Absolutely. It, it really is, um, part of the trust process, right? It is part of the, you know, confidence is a sense of trust in yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and one way to establish that is, again, knowing that no matter what happens, you've got you. Mm. 
all of a sudden it becomes less scary because you've got you. Right. Yeah. I love that. I think oftentimes we get so caught up in projecting either what may or may not happen or replaying what did or didn't happen in the past. I knew we were talking earlier because I, and I'd love to hear you share with, with us your take on visualization. We talk, I talk a lot about that with my clients. I know that's something more and more people are becoming more toned into more aware to how does that play into confidence? Does it play into it? And what's your kind of perspective on visualization? Absolutely. I love visualization and I feel like once you get through so many of the hard stages, right? Once you get through the forgiveness, which can be hard, you you forgive yourself, you begin to realize, oh my gosh, if I can forgive me, then I can forgive so-and-so and I can forgive so-and-so. And life becomes like the burdens start to get lifted. Mm. It becomes easier to trust people. It becomes easier to trust the universe. That's the universe that's out there to, to give you, to supply for you. Visualization is the creative part of it. It's the fun part. It's the playing. My unique take on visualization comes from my experience as an actor, which was very much tied to physiology. So in acting, there are several techniques. Um, There's Stanislavski or Mm -hmm. Strasberg which is very method. It's very internal. A lot of great actors have used it. Um, and, and so it comes from a very psychological sense. And then there's Meisner, um, there's Stella Adler, which are more uh, external, the external use of body or the external use of an idea or a concept, right? Improvisation. Um, physiology, the physiology is, is observing body language. So being able to understand that a a character who may be feeling down is going to, you're going to see it in their body. You're going to see it in the way they respond. You're going to hear it in their voice. And if somebody's really upset, they might start talking like this because they're they're not breathing well. And, and all, so really being able to make those observations and then bringing that into the practice of visualization. So being able to take clients through their ideal day or their, I I do something called party, which allows us all to go to a party where we're celebrated. Mm. It's beautiful. And it's such an amazing process to recognize like how hard it is for some of us to stand on stage and be in the light and let it shine on on us and, and take it. Mm -hmm. Yeah but it's, it's very physical. It's, it's visual. It's imagining it. It's using all of your senses. It's sensory recall, which is also something that I feel is very important. Um, used it a lot as an actor. So I make it fun. And, and part of the process in acting was always, it wasn't really, you weren't really supposed to focus on the lines. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to focus on the feeling. And so that's what the, the visualization is about. Yeah, It's about focusing and, and bringing these experiences to life, but mostly focusing on the way it makes you feel. Mm, I love that. I love that. As you were talking, I had a thought of, you know, you shared you're in your 11th year of business and I'm sure prior to being where you are today, you visualize like what you'd be doing or what you'd like to create in your business, what type of work, who you'd want to work with. Is there any 
if you could go back to the version of you five to 10 years ago in the first few years of your business, what would you tell that version of yourself? Because I think you probably have some things to share that will be helpful for many who are in those initial years. Even if your paths aren't exactly the same, I find that we often have the same thoughts, concerns, worries. I would tell her it's happening. Yes. It's happening. You are doing enough. Mm. One of the best things that happened to me, I would say roughly five to six years ago in that time period was I recognized that I am not a multitasker, Mm -hmm. but I had lived my life as a multitasker. Mm -hmm. And as a result of living my life that, that, there, and there are people that can multitask. I mean, there's a bunch of different philosophies about whether it's great or whether you're going to be the most productive. I think people have to do them mm-hmm. and decide for themselves who they are and what's going to be their most effective way to go. For me, I knew that I wasn't, but because I had trained to do 10,000 things at once. And if I didn't, I didn't feel productive. Mm. Once I dropped the idea of that, I recognized that I was doing those things anyway. Right but I wasn't allowing myself to truly enjoy the process or a truly process or truly not enjoy the process because that's a part of it too, Mm -hmm. right? If you don't allow yourself to truly not enjoy something, then you'll let it kind of linger. Right. You'll, you'll keep putting up with it because "Mm, it's not so bad. Mm -hmm. Let it be bad. Let it suck. (laughs) Let it be really shitty and get out. Yeah. Love it. And Right now in where you are with your business and your life, I know you talked about, you got kids gone off to college, you are free, you're, you're in Mexico city right now, you're living your best life. What is something, you know, I always like to ask the question because the question that sparked me on my journey was something that I always wanted to do that I never said out loud. And I think sometimes regardless of what stage of life we're in, we either, have a little dream or inkling. It could be something personal, something professional, doesn't matter. But is there anything that right now is like your one day dream that you're working towards or thinking about? Um, yes, actually it is for my business and it's something that I never thought I would do. But but I, on a recent trip to Oaxaca, I decided I was going to do a retreat. Yay. And I've never done a retreat before and I've never really been interested in doing a retreat mm-hmm. because of all of the working parts. Yeah. And I realized on this last trip to Oaxaca that the help is there mm. and that I'm going to do it because I want to do it. Of course, um, I want it to be for my clients and, and they've been asking for it, but also because it helps the community that I'm visiting. And I think yeah. as a traveler now, as a global traveler, especially as a, as a citizen of the United States and the p- passport privilege that we have, um, being able to, to travel and come as the kind of guest that contributes to the community. Yeah. So, um, learning that and experiencing that, that's my next set of moves is like, obviously now I'm going to have a global, (laughs) I'm going to have a global business and all of the moving parts. And I'm going to figure it out. Just like I would have told that girl, that woman five years ago, it's happening. I'm telling myself that now, as we speak, like it's happening. That's so exciting. Before we we got on this call, I'm we're hosting a retreat in Italy next month. So I was like doing a call with the team about it. So I know, you know, it is, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, but there is something magical about in-person experiences and 
bringing a small community of people together that arrive as strangers and leave completely transformed through and through each other, really. And I'm sure, you know, your clients both new and and that have been with you for a while would love that experience with you and what an amazing place to do it. Absolutely. I, one of the things that I've noticed definitely in, you know, coming up out of my community is this idea of like, you're traveling by yourself. In Latam, like Latin America is this completely scary place. And that breaks my heart too, Mm. is that is to know that so many of us have been conditioned to fear the places of our ancestors. And so being able to return to that, especially to the earth um, and sort of toil and play in the earth where our ancestors also played is something that's really, um, it's powerful and it's significant. And it means something to me to be able to, yeah, bring that gift to people. So I'm, I'm excited to do that. And, and yes, you're right. Like Italy and the food culture and just everything. Yeah. So exciting to, 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 to see all that work come to fruition. Love it. So where can we keep up with you if we want to check out your retreat? I don't, is it happening next year or I don't know when it's happening, but where can people find you online, offline? So online, you can go to angelawakened.com. That's my website. And um, I'm sure if you look up Oaxaca, you'll be able to find anything on the retreat as it develops. It is going to happen next year in February and in June. So I'm going to do it twice. I know, not just once, but twice, because I'm extra. (laughs) Going in with a bang. I love it. (laughs) I'm extra. Um, And then um, online, Angel Awakened on Instagram. And uh, too too happy to be sad girl on Twitter. Yes. And Angel Avilas on LinkedIn. Awesome. We will link all of that in the show notes so that anyone can find you. I know you also have a book that we'll link as well. And now I understand the sad girl connection. I love that story. It's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your, your thoughts, your story, your journey. I know that it will be inspiring to many who relate to you, whether that's because of a cultural similarity or just a life stage similarity or a desire similarity of just wanting to help and empower people. So thank you so much. Thank you for the interview. It was wonderful. And I'm so, so grateful to have connected. I hope this episode gives you more clarity and proof that you can create a life you truly love. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to connect and serve those who are ready to use their ideas and experiences to positively impact the lives of others. If you want to connect more, follow me on Instagram at The Bravo Life.